1: This episode of On the Rock will give you keys to survive and succeed in the days ahead
0: by hearing and doing the words of Jesus. It's not only the most famous sermon in the world, but it's also the most famous prayer as well. In today's program, we're going to take a closer look at the Lord's Prayer in the Sermon on the Mount. Our series is entitled The Kingly Messiah. Understanding the Gospel of Matthew, Part 1, a verse-by-verse audio commentary, part of the larger Understanding the Bible series. We are looking at the Sermon on the Mount, and the lesson is called The Lord's Prayer, Forgiveness, and Fasting, and it's found in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 18. Yes, it is the most famous prayer, part of the most famous sermon in history. And the Lord's Prayer, many of you know it, even those that aren't in church or have just a very, very casual Christian background, but it starts out, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. That's just the beginning, and we're going to learn more about all this. But remember that the prayer is directed to God, And God is our Heavenly Father. So it's not just dear God, but it's our Father who is in Heaven. Which means we've been born of God, we are part of His family, we actually know Him. Not just that we know about God, we know Him. We walk with Him, we talk with Him, that's why we pray. So it's directing the prayer to God the Father who is in Heaven. Now, it is possible, of course, to direct prayer to Jesus, direct prayer through the Holy Spirit, because it's one God, triune. However, Jesus says to pray to the Father, so that's a good thing. And it says that God's name is holy, it's hallowed. Before we start asking God to meet our needs, it's good to recognize Him, to praise Him, to honor Him. He is worthy. He's actually given us an inheritance that is priceless, and we need to be grateful and to be grateful, we need to acknowledge who God is. So, with so much blindness, nearsightedness, and ingratitude that is out there in the world today, it is vitally important. If you want to get God's attention, give credit where it's due. His name is holy. And we'll continue to learn something even more intriguing. We are praying for the kingdom of God to come, not just the kingdom of God, but God's will in God's kingdom. To be done. And please note it says that that your kingdom and your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Remember the earth at the moment isn't really living in harmony with God's principles and precepts. Our world is a fallen world. It is under the power of the wicked one. It is under enormous ungodly, devilish influence. We have a culture, and let's be honest, all right, we're not mad at anyone, but we have a culture that is relentless, 24-7, to fight against, undermine, and if possible, destroy the biblical precepts that have been so much a part of Western civilization. When we pray... God's kingdom come and His will be done, we're praying that's be done right here on planet Earth. Now, not all of our brothers and sisters in Christ believe that Christ will necessarily reign on Earth, but we do believe He will reign on Earth. He will come to this planet not just to pay a courtesy call. When He comes to this planet in what we call the second coming of Christ, He's coming to take over, to rule and reign, to claim His rightful throne, and to rule in the place of his father, David. That's why he came. That's why we have the second psalm. That's why we have other psalms that talk about God is coming. He's coming to judge. He's coming to reign. Well, when we say that God is coming to judge and reign, of course, we're talking about Jesus and the second coming. Praise God. So we are literally, every time we say the Lord's Prayer, we're praying for the Lord to come. We're praying for, in other words, the King to come. And with the king, please bring your kingdom while you're at it, and bring your wonderful, precious, perfect, honorable will with it. Just as your will is done in heaven, so do it here on earth. This is the model prayer. We're going to learn more about it, daily provision. We're going to learn lessons about forgiveness, and you don't want to miss out on that. We're going to learn and pray to be delivered from evil. We will learn about how hypocrites fast and the proper way to fast. All this present in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, verses 9 to 18. Let us read that very portion of scripture. The lesson is called Sermon on the Mount, the Lord's Prayer, Forgiveness, and Fasting. The reference once again is Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 18. Let's listen to the word of the Lord. And these are the words of Jesus himself. After this manner, therefore, pray ye. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance. For they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou When thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Our scripture is from Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 18. Our lesson is called Sermon on the Mount, the Lord's Prayer, Forgiveness, and Fasting. Well, the model prayer. Jesus teaches us what surely has to be the most famous prayer in the world, or as I call it, the model prayer. It is addressed to God, the Heavenly Father. And with such a prayer, let's remember to put first things first. We are acknowledging who God really is. We are recognizing God's power, majesty, and the holiness of His name. It is by and through His name, there comes the authorization and the empowerment to answer prayer. It's right, it's fitting, it's proper, and should be done sincerely. When we pray, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I have learned that praise, adoration, ascribing glory to God, all of this is part of the language of faith. After all, the language of the flesh, is to lie, to criticize, to murmur, to backbite, to vilify, to defame, all that and more. But when you're in the Spirit, born of the Spirit, born of God, loving and serving God, living in the fear of the Lord, you don't focus on the negative, because that's part of the problem. You focus on God, who is the solution. And we focus on God by addressing Him and giving Him the glory that is due unto His name. So, yes, when we pray, first things first, give God glory. Acknowledge His holiness, His righteousness, His mercy, His truth. And then, as I said earlier, in Matthew 6.10, God's kingdom and God's will. We need to focus on God's priorities, not our own. There will be a time that we can give God our supplication for our own needs and our intercession for the needs of others. But for now, Let's remember that God already knows what we need and is more than willing to meet those needs. But there is a biblical protocol, and that is this, to make God's priority our very own. We should be concerned with praising His name and desiring His kingdom. Remember that what is God's priority? What is God doing in the earth? God is building His kingdom. There is nothing else. God is building His kingdom. And blessing all who participate with him, who cooperate in this kingdom-building vision. So, the Lord's Prayer gives us a platform to declare our desire for God's kingdom and will to be done on earth or in earth as it is in heaven. Wonderful words. We can and should believe for the visible, tangible, and permanent installation of God's kingdom in earth, just as he has one in heaven. And what more? This is His will, and therefore it should be our will, too. In Matthew 6.11, we also learn a very important practical lesson about what we call God's provision, or better still, daily provision. Because we have daily, temporal, physical needs, like food, water, shelter, and so on. And God is more than interested in meeting these temporal, earthly needs as well as meeting our spiritual, eternal needs. We ask for God's provision on a daily basis. Sure, we could ask that He gives us a lot now, that we would not have to ask Him tomorrow and the next day, but then if we get out of the habit of regularly asking Him, it causes what I would call spiritual slothfulness. Power in prayer means continuously, daily, looking to God to meet all all needs in every area of life. If we get a big portion now, we will be spiritually lazy, complacent. We will then stop praying, and then when we stop praying, we stop growing and we stop being strengthened. Prayer makes you strong. Now, here's something very fundamental if you want to have power in prayer. Matthew 6, verse 12, it's called forgiveness. We then ask God to forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. This is not necessarily talking about our finances, like our the money we owe. It's probably more likely, and in fact I believe it is the case, it's talking about our sins. Sin is a debt that has to be paid, one way or the other. It's not written off, you can't declare bankruptcy from the debt of sin. If we pay that debt, we will be paying for all eternity, in a horrible place called hell. That's how serious the issue is. If we allow Christ to pay the debt of sin on our behalf, guess what? We are forgiven and set free. That's what the gospel is about. And that's the glory of the gospel, that Jesus Christ takes our sky-high debt of sin and pays for it in full. This is the wonderful free gift that Romans talks about. We don't have to earn this gift. In fact, we couldn't if we tried. Not even working a million years could we earn and pay for this debt. But we can repent, believe, and receive by faith. That's how the wonderful gospel is applied to our debt of sin. For this reason, when people sin against us, we should forgive them too. Because when people sin against us, their debt to us is small. When we sin against God, our debt to God is overwhelming and large. So, how can we expect God to forgive us our big debts, but we refuse to forgive people of their little debt or sin against us? That's why it says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. I trust that will have more meaning to you. If And then God's going to warn us here. If we don't forgive others, God may not forgive us, either, as it says in Mark 11, verse 26. So it says, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Matthew six thirteen. The prayer continues about this issue of temptation. Now, temptation can mean the seductions of sin, or temptation can mean violent assaults from the devil and demon powers. It can also mean that we will not succumb to the temptation that causes sin. We want to be delivered from evil. This phrase can also perhaps mean, deliver us from the evil one, who is Satan. Now in Psalm 91, verse 15, God promises that to those that honor and love him and serve him and trust in him, he will be with us in trouble, he will deliver us and honor us. And then in verse 16 of Psalm 91, he says, and with long life will I satisfy you and show you my salvation. Now, there's some people who live to be in their 80s, some in their 90s, some pass the 100 mark. But all of this is a puff of breath compared to eternal life. God gives eternal life to those that are recipients of the gospel. And that is the power of an endless life, which is far outstrips being a centurion any day. So we continue. Deliver us from the evil one. There's more on forgiveness in Matthew 6. 14 and 15. If you forgive men their sins, God the Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But willfully withholding forgiveness from others can mean you won't be forgiven either. The famous evangelist Corey Ten Boom, who wrote the best-selling book, The Hiding Place, as well as Tramp for the Lord. Those that know her story know that she was with her family hiding Jewish people in Holland during the Second World War. They were discovered by the Nazis. The Jews that were in hiding did escape, but the Ten Boon family, father and the two daughters, who were in their 50s, were sent to the concentration camp, in this case, Ravensbrück. And Cory miraculously was released from that camp after ministering powerfully to the women there. She was released by a clerical error because Women her age were sent to the gas chambers the very next week. After her trial in the camp, Cory traveled the world as an evangelist, a faith evangelist. At one of her meetings, she met one of the guards from Ravensbrook. He extended his hand to shake hers. Now, initially, she could feel all the anger at this man, who was part of her own suffering, and that of her sister Betsy, who met an untimely death at Ravensbrück. But yet, forgiveness and grace prevailed, and she extended her hand to shake that of the Nazi guard who had been part of her suffering at Ravensbrück. Forgiveness sets us free. And then we learn about fasting, and we're not going to be like the hypocrites of Matthew 6 and verse 16. Just like the principles of almsgiving and prayer, they also apply to fasting. So when? Not if you fast, because Jesus assumes his followers will fast, but he doesn't tell how long or what manner. Is it a water fast, a complete fast, a liquid fast, a partial fast? This is to be determined on an individual basis as led by the Holy Spirit. Now, when hypocrites fast, they do a song and dance with a long face, moaning, woe is me, look at me, so people can see how holy they are by fasting. Well, they receive their reward for fasting, here and now. But in verse 17 of Matthew 6, here's how you fast. When you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, look and act normal. Get on with life and remember that your fast is between you and God. Now, this does not mean that no one is to know about fasting, or your particular fast. You have to tell at least some of your family and others for planning purposes. So, let's not misinterpret what the Lord is saying. It is why you're fasting. And who are you trying to please? Are you fasting for the right motives? Are you trying to please God or people? That really is the question. Now our lesson is called Sermon on the Mount, The Lord's Prayer, Forgiveness, and Fasting. What is our lesson for life? In order to have power in prayer, start out by focusing on God's business, and He will more than take care of your business too. Remember to visit us at our Facebook page, Teach All Nations, Education, and thank you for liking our page. You can also go to our homepage at tan.org.au. Let's pray. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, for the Sermon on the Mount and for the principles of fasting, forgiveness, and so on. I ask, Lord, show us by your word how to pray, how to do it effectively, and how to teach others likewise, giving us a better land and a better day ahead. In Jesus' name, amen.